this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This is Cyberpunk Uncensored, and I am Rob Mulligan. What's up, everybody? Today I have a special guest back again, and it's Derek. What's up, man? Greetings, program. It's it's good to be here. Hey, yeah, I'm glad you were able to come back. Uh, I know we were trying to plan it a couple times, and the schedule wasn't working. But um, but yeah, I lo- I'd love to have having you on last time, and I'm looking forward to chatting again today. Anybody that's not familiar, uh, Derek runs. The website Data Fortress 2020. I'm sure uh, if you're into cyberpunk or you've been into it uh, since 2020, you're familiar with his site. And if you want to learn more about his site and things that he's done, and you know his background in role playing and all that good stuff, you can check out the previous episode that we did, which is all about him. I believe the title is something like, uh, um, you know, Meet uh, Derek of Data Fortress 2020 or something like that. I also just released an image video uh, of that episode on the Cyberpunk Uncensored YouTube channel. So anybody listening that is interested in uh, checking it out on YouTube, you can go there as well. But um, let's not backtrack and get too much into you or your website since we covered that previously. Let's get into um, a subject that I covered on the Game Master Tips episode, which was making it cyberpunk. And it's all about, you know, what it takes when you're creating a campaign or you know world building or describing it to players or the different elements and things that you put into it that basically make it cyberpunk what makes it you know cyberpunk comparatively to other role playing games um and when i went over that before on the game master tips i went over you know my main four points however since then i've thought of other things i wanted to go over and then i know uh, in the previous episode, when me and you, Derek, were talking about um, campaigns and things like that, we talked about like implementing paranoia and, you know, how game masters sometimes, uh, you know, will will make everyone a backstabber and two-faced. And it just doesn't work when you're hiring. And I don't know, we, we kind of dabbled on some of the things that uh, I was thinking, you know, and, and that's why, when I thought like, man, if I if I get into an episode that goes into more things that make it cyberpunk. I, I wanted to have you back because I feel like you had, I don't know, some good ideas in, into all that stuff. Ah, I appreciate that. And yeah, yeah, no, I like this subject. Yeah. Um, I think number one, like the most important thing you can do to make it cyberpunk is, you know, it, it, the world, the setting that the character's in is every bit as much a character as the players themselves. Um, if you if you don't describe things and make them exciting in a way that the players want to interact with that, then then you're doing your game a disservice. Yeah. Uh, there are little small tricks that like beginner GMs for Cyberpunk like to use. Like they'll bring up the body count, or uh, they'll just constantly talk about you know everybody's like walking in puddles of urine and like that guy's getting his cybernetic eye ripped out by a prostitute over in the corner. Um, right. And that's, that's all well and good. That's not bad. That's, that's actually the way to start. Uh, 
But I mean, if you're describing a fight scene, for instance, uh, throw some throw some tech in there just in the background that they can either bounce off of or hide behind or like a vehicle they can hijack, something like that. Just keep it from being stagnant. Yeah, totally. And you just said, uh, you know, when you mentioned tech, it made me think of, um, you know, the foundation of the cyberpunk genre. And this is, you know, where I like to start with making it cyberpunk. And I did previously, but I wanted to get your opinion on what it means to you when you hear, you know, high tech, low life. Because that's obviously kind of been the, you know, the root of the cyberpunk genre and kind of the foundation or tagline or I don't know, however you want to describe it. But it definitely, to me, encompasses everything uh, cyberpunk or at least like the style, the environment, the world. It's a great summarization. But what does it mean to you when you hear that, you know, when you hear high tech, low life? Does that kind of uh, register as a good foundation? It, it registers as as the foundation of the attitude you want. It doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean the setting has to have a bunch of high tech. It just means that for me, it's the it's while the high tech is definitely involved in the setting, um, the low life is every bit as important. Um, I'm getting off track here. I lost my trail of thought. Uh, yeah, no problem. What I'm trying to say is the high tech is there. And it's it's integral to cyberpunk. There's there's got to be a higher tech level than there is today. Um, sadly, I see some people like take that way too far. Um, if you're doing like immediate interstellar travel, if you've got right. teleportation or time travel, that's not cyberpunk. That is way too far out there. You are you while you yeah, whatever you you're doing might have sci-fi. cyberpunk elements. You are straight sci-fi at that point. Like Fifth yeah, Element yeah. is not cyberpunk. It's it's got cyberpunk elements, um, but even the cyberpunk elements are beyond the general tech level of cyberpunk. Like the flying cars there have no visible means of propulsion or lift; they just fly. Right. Uh, I, I get that they're supposed to do like some magnetic thing, but that doesn't explain. That's just some hand waving stuff. Um, like Cowboy Bebop, their interstellar tech is would take it out of the cyberpunk genre, but everything but their spacecraft is totally within the cyberpunk genre. Right. Um, like they use regular hand, like lead slowing handguns or lead lead throwing handguns. Um, in fact, they use guns from our century. I, it's kind of weird, but uh. Yeah, if you go anytime it shows them on a planet, people are still driving around in cars. Some of them have little hover car things uh, that are pretty close to AVs. But yeah, just disregard the space travel. The same with um, Firefly. Firefly yeah. is a great example. It is if you remove, if you take out the spaceship and instead put them in like a big truck, it is the best example of a nomad campaign I've ever seen in my yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, like. It's got all the character classes covered. It's it, it's just perfect. Like that's how a nomad lives. And if you want to see a an accurate portrayal of you know what nomad life is like, especially for the more outlaw nomads, the uh, like smugglers and stuff. I mean, that's the one. Yeah, definitely. So they it, use tech. It definitely, but seems they keep like it that. on a. 
No, I was just gonna. Go I was just gonna reiterate the the fact that like you know. Yeah, there's there's high tech to that low life, and just on that side of it, the high tech. But don't cross that line where all of a sudden you're making it sci-fi when it comes into that, you know, aliens and spaceships and, and that's that's dominating yeah. your, <laughs> you know, your your world building. You, you crossed over into sci-fi. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, you can have that high tech and that high tech is something that the characters have to interact with. But more than that, it's their attitude, both because of that high tech and in spite of it. Um like a good player character won't let their tech run their lives. They'll just it'll be a tool for them. Um, a high tech tool, or sometimes a very low tech tool with a high tech twist. Um, there's a lot of uh, jury rigging going on where they take you know mundane household items and turn them into shit that works really well in the in the dystopian future yeah and what what about um, so what about, yeah what about like you know the low life side see when i think high tech low life i'm always thinking not necessarily like you know combat zone no money low life uh like uh, lower quality of life i guess um i i always think like there's more to it than just that so like yeah high tech it you exactly. know you're involved high tech you're involving um, you know, cybernetics and, and, you know, new tech and things like that, but don't cross over into sci-fi. And then when I think of low life, I'm thinking, okay, cool. Like, yeah, it doesn't, you know, have to do with, you know, the struggle and the combat zone, but there's also people in high rise corporations and, 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 you know, Beaver town and working their way up. And not everybody is combat zone poor, if you will, or nomad travel, you know, desperate. Well, in the time of the red, they're kind of running transportation. It's not like, back in the day but my point is is with the low life it always seems to me like there's more to it than just that it 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 means to me like the desperation or the corruption of like humanity so like the low life could be like a high level corporate with plenty of money but they're just gonna backstab you because they're all about that money they don't give a fuck about you you know and that's like the low life aspect yeah absolutely it's uh for me the low life aspect is the attitude that you will do what it takes to see your goals through. You will, uh, you will fight dirty. You will, you will go below the expectations of what other games have for you. Where in like D and D they want you to be this shining hero, uh, you know, in cyberpunk, most of the time you're just trying to survive, and to do that, you've got to grit your teeth and crawl through some sewer, buddy. You, right. uh, even if that sewer is a fucking like banquet hall filled with billionaires and and uh, a corporate retreat, I mean that may be your sewer, but right. you've got to crawl through that. Because if you're at that thing, then you're kissing somebody's ass and you're having to do it with a smile on your face. If you live on the streets, um, you can't let that shit break you down. You've got to fight and scrap every way you can to make it through the day. Oh, yeah. That isn't to say that you can't have morals. That isn't to say that your character has to be like this scumbag, you know, like eating babies for snacks type thing. Right. But, but at the end of the day, 
you know your knuckles are going to be bloody, your stomach is going to be hungry, uh, and your mind is going to be twisted. Yep. Not low exactly. life, high tech, high tech, low life. Uh, it's the attitude. Yeah. No, and I think that that there's also a, a point of that, and let's pull the conversation to this, which is, you know, I I always start with, at least in in my mind, in the world building, it, it's got that danger element, right? Like things are dangerous because of that low life aspect. Like oh, absolutely. You know, trust is rare, and I think we we dabbled in some conversation. I'd love to expand on you know your thoughts on implementing paranoia because you can't always have, and I I think you mentioned <laughs> it. You know, you can't always have everyone being uh no that doesn't work you know crossing you because then who who would ever work for anybody or be hired if you know that they're always going to backstab everybody you know but but i think you mentioned it the the paranoia factor kind of is very very cyberpunk but why don't you elaborate on some of that well uh i mean the government is always there the corporations are always there they keep tabs on everything um you walk into a store, they target. I mean, it's like getting on Facebook now. They target every ad to a conversation you had like yesterday that what you didn't think you're were any, even anywhere near your phone, but suddenly they know what you're talking about and you're getting these ads, which means they're watching you. So you should be paranoid. It's going to be much worse in 20 in the world of cyberpunk where, you know, those corporations control the net pretty much completely and you can't trust any of the information you're given uh digitally um from there you can't really trust anybody you talk to either because you don't know who they're working for necessarily now you can form friendships you can form alliances you can have contacts some of these people you can trust more than others, but you shouldn't ever trust anybody implicitly, even even your fellow party members. Now, again, that is not to say that you should expect your party members to backstab you or anything like that, but they may pass out information just haphazardly through conversation that, you know, comes back and bites you in the ass. Yep. Um, if you've done jobs, if you are a cyberpunk, then you have most likely done some illegal shit uh, that has pissed off cops, it's pissed off the corporations, it's pissed off rival gangs, it's pissed off, you know, other other professional cyberpunks. And if everybody's all like, well, I've got this giant reputation, you don't want a giant reputation. You want a reputation as somebody who keeps their mouth shut and does the job. Right. If you are, if, if the people who have these big reputations... They're the dangerous ones because they're the ones talking about everything. Now, now, let me say, though, to a GM, I love it when players are, you know, pushing their reputation one, oh, one, yeah. one way or another, you know, whichever end of the spectrum they're on. It's great for creating stories and, you know, uh, enemies and turmoil and tension. And it's just it's a great springboard. But you're completely right. It, it, you know, in the reality, like like it's real and you're in it, you know, in that cyberpunk world, you would want to be, I, you know, quiet. Like you said, keep your mouth shut, get the job done, get the money. But it never works out that way if you're a good GM and the players are doing their job. It should, oh, yeah, it should no. be much grittier. And they they, they give you all the ammunition you need <laughs> to create the stories around and about them. 
Yeah. Um, you'll have to forgive me. I come at this. I come at these questions both from a GM standpoint and a player standpoint. So as a GM, yes, the ammunition they provide, the the oh, yeah. story hooks, um, it's all gold. And any GM out there listening, use that stuff. Uh, don't don't just have their employers screw them over every time. That's that gets boring really fast, and nobody trusts anybody. Like we said, but. If, you know, one of the players happens to, like, be trying to hit up some girl at the at the club and mention that, hey, you know, we're the guys who just did this. Well, her brother runs the gang that was contracted to hire, to do security for that. And now they've lost face and now they're coming for you, buddy. Yep, exactly. And you just told her where you live. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think I think it's good that you come from a GM and player side. I do as well. So I, I, you know, I haven't played in a long time. Once in a blue moon, like I, I did uh, in the past couple months, as well. But um, but I think it's it's a good angle to have when when you can kind of I don't know switch pitch like that or whatever. Um, where you know it's it's yeah, difficult. Well, you can see it from different angles, and I think that that makes for a good GM because if you can kind of you know, just like chess, kind of work out all the options and steps ahead. You can kind of plan ahead and make sure everything is interesting, no matter what this open world brings, you know? But I think it, sure. it, it's kind of cool, like when it comes to making it cyberpunk and that paranoia factor and that, it, it's so true. Like to a player, you want to be, you know, stealthy and discreet and you want to get the job done and be professional. And, you know, you just want want it to be perfect. But let's face it, in that world of low life, the low life aspect of that is is... You know, it's it, it's almost guaranteed it's never going to work out that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, your your character should be reaching for something. That's not to say that they can't ever attain those goals, but it's going to be costly. It's going to take a while, and it's it's going to leave some scars. Yeah. No, and I think that's why it's um, cool the the paranoia aspect that you that you mentioned before. Yeah. I mean, that's why I wanted to bring that up because it's such a great tool with. You know, for GMs, but, uh, you know, in the game to, you know, put some of that pressure on without overstepping I mean, to the so point where it's like, like you said, like, oh, it's redundant. And now I just don't want to ever trust employers or this or that. Like, but you can lay a little bit of paranoia to where maybe it does work out. You know, maybe maybe they, they do make it through and, it you know, it didn't happen so bad or whatever. But but they definitely thought it was going to be that way because you, you had that paranoia in there, you know. I mean, the more contacts that players feel that they can trust, that is the more contacts that you can exploit through other means than yeah. the trail. You can kidnap them, or they have they have their own problems, and maybe they need your help sorting them out. I mean, it's all good. Um, everything your players do can provide a plot hook for something in the future. And if you if you are have any any talent whatsoever at making your 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 NPCs uh, feel as alive as possible and getting them to connect to the NPCs, that is going you are going to be able to not only create that sense of trust and you know I can uh, not necessarily trust, but you know I can rely on this person to do what they say they're gonna do. But then you also have the paranoia of well, now I have to protect their interests because, everybody else is going to try and screw me. And this guy has done me right in the past. Yeah. Um, but now he's being hunted and I have to do something. And by proxy, that means I'm being hunted too. Yeah. So, uh, so I think not just, not just 
you know, place in direct paranoia, but, you know, paranoia yeah. in, in general, you know, maybe it's indirect through NPCs or something where they do have a relationship or motivation to be paranoid about. It doesn't always need to be direct to the, the character, the main character, you know. Or, I mean, that paranoia, you can set up stuff that is just completely in their head. Like, you can have them notice something in their apartment that they think was moved, that they're not sure about. Or, you know, they, they step outside and there's a car with, you know, tinted windows across the street. Uh, maybe it's scoping out the characters. Or maybe it's just somebody waiting to pick up their girlfriend. Who knows? Right. <laughs> Uh, but if they see it enough, they start to worry. If they if they see a similar car at the club, oh my God, they're following me! Right. No, I think that's great. I think, par- yeah, like I think it goes hand in hand with, like I was saying before, danger. But I think it's definitely a key factor in making it cyberpunk. Is there's got to always be, you know, that you know, like we said, the low life aspect which encompasses, you know, danger and uh, paranoia, um, the potential for being, you know, two-faced and backstabbing and, and, and following through on some of that paranoia. Not always, but sometimes. But, um, and then obviously, you know, the, the high-tech aspect of it, which we all already discussed at the beginning. We already know that. But what other things do you think are important to have you know, to make it cyberpunk, you know, for if, if you're a GM or player or whatever, you know, I don't care if you're playing the role-playing game or write, writing a novel about it or creating a movie, cyberpunk, whatever, just what, you know, vibes or things or what make it cyberpunk? Because uh, I always think like... For me, what makes something cyberpunk more than anything else is, is the, like I said, it's the setting. It's, it's that day after tomorrow you can relate to what's going on but there's this hint of strange due to the higher tech level and you know whatever changes in society have happened or uh the world itself but it it just it feels it feels like it could happen it feels like it's gonna happen um and it feels like it's gonna happen soon uh, I mean, people argue with me about this, but I think The Warriors was a pretty good cyberpunk movie. Um, yeah. it, it it takes place in the future. It's all about street gangs trying to, you know, make it through the night. Um, I mean, it doesn't have the tech level. I'll, I'll, I'll give people that. It does not have the tech level, but, man, it's got the attitude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's funny you bring that up, too, because that that's what I was going to say is I think when it comes into the specific the specific things to me that carry out, you know, the actions or the vibes or however you want to word it that make it paranoia and dangerous and all these, you know, adjectives and, and verbs that make it cyberpunk for me. I feel like the things that make that happen that always have to be in cyberpunk, you need these elements of, you know, there's a few things like corporations. Desperation. Well, well, well to me, this yeah, definitely desperation. You're going to, you know, like you said, a hungry, you know, you're hungry you're broke, all those sorts of things I think is great. But I think, you know, gangs, you're always going to have booster gangs, poser gangs. And it's funny, you know, you bring up the Warriors. I think that's such a great example of, like, making it cyberpunk. you got to have creative gangs, creative corporations, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. There's almost very little in between. You're going to have like other edge runners and crazy people and Borgs and, you know, uh, cyberpunk celebs within your world and all these extremes. And then you're going to have like gangs and corporations. And, you know, there are like a little bit of middle level stuff because, you you know, you're going to go to your bodega and buy stuff or the Oasis station. Someone's got to run that cash register or some, so there's going to be factory workers and at the warehouse that you're raiding, you know. Well, but, I mean, but it's, it's very, not, but it's it not as important. Get it. Right, right. No, exactly. The world has to function. There has to be that yeah. normality that keeps I mean, it moving. I it, mean, it talks there. about it talks about everybody's moved into the city, but I mean that's not true. The nomads don't live in the city, and there are still small towns scattered here and there. Um, I mean, granted, most of the farming is done uh, through corporations, but they're still going to need the migrant farm workers to come. Uh, that's right. the food. Nice. Uh, they're still going to need the uh, migrant farm workers to come and, you know, pick the trees and do all that. Uh, there is going to be a rural America. It's just not going to look like it does today. It's going to it's going to actually look more more like it did, uh, you know, 100 years ago with scattered small towns. Um, just with higher tech in those towns, like nobody's exactly like, using a the phone picking it up and be all like sarah dial me 4601 blah 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 right um instead they're you know using their smartphones and all that but they live in east jesus nowhere uh with very little support um everything they want from the city they have to order uh it's very risky as to whether they'll ever get that thing um and in the city, you know, there are outskirts of the city. There are still going to be suburbs. They're not going to be as right. many or as or as broad. But, I mean, that's the draw of working for a corporation is you can't just go from, like, low-level nothing to CEO. Like, right, there's the right. middle ground where you are the middle class. And most of that middle class lives in arcologies or whatnot. But, you know, if you work for a better corporation or if the corporation has – you know, their offices that aren't in the hub of the city, then you get to live in the nice little beaver town. Right. No, and I think, like, you know, just like the real world and other role-playing games and the normality of it is, you know, you have to have a functioning world. There is that middle-class exactly. thing sort of happening. But definitely when it comes to making it cyberpunk, like, that's just normal life stuff. But making it cyberpunk, like like we said... You know, it's it's all these other extremes and and paranoias and, and desperations that make it cyberpunk that are sprinkled into this normal world to the point where all that all that middle road road stuff is, you know, just maybe the occasional NPC like because you have to, like you said, flirt with the bartender or the receptionist to get you in, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's something the characters see. It's not that it's something right. they get to experience. It's exactly but it, it's there. Yeah, yeah, it exactly. Like, but the cyber making it cyberpunk element, you know, like uh, I think the the to me the coolest uh, points are like you know the corporations and the gangs. I feel like it's like the extreme up and down of yeah, kind of the same I mean, same mentality, <laughs> just other extremes of the income spectrum or whatever. You know, the chrome and steel towers and the freaking gutters, right? But the same mentality, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, everybody's <laughs> just trying to get ahead, and they're using the tools that, and you know, the world has provided them. Yeah. Uh, or that they've scratched out for themselves, and that's that's cyberpunk, man. 
Exactly. No, I think we did good. I think, uh, you know, it was a good, good explanation and, uh, you know, evolution of high tech, low life, like I said, instead of just taking at face value, but, you know, the different components that kind of make up that catchphrase. And, and to me, it's just such a, I don't know, like I said, it's, it's making it cyberpunk, you know, but, um, but yeah, I think we covered everything. Uh, that was, that was a, a nice short, sweet episode. I know you've got, you got dinner, uh, about, oh, man, about to I hit the table, night, but. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I think we kind of covered that and that's what I wanted to do. Like I said, I wanted to elaborate more on making it cyberpunk. And, um, and what I hope to do too is as time goes and other ideas pop in our head about this is revisiting that and constantly adding to ideas and elaborations on that topic. Because what I found is when, you know, anytime in past episodes and things, when we dabble in that, there's just such a good appreciation from the audience and, and myself included. It's just such a, I don't know, rich subject and fun thing to get into when, when you get oh, into the details. Yeah, of I it. mean, you talk to any 10 people and ask them what cyberpunk is or what makes something cyberpunk for them. And not a single one of them is going to give the same answer, the same exact answer there. It's something different to everybody. And, right. uh, you know, a lot of people try to gatekeep on that, but I'm, I'm not about that. I'm, I will listen to whatever ideas you got. Some of it I'll agree with, some of it I won't. Exactly. No, I'm the same but, way, and I feel like there's just different levels of it. Like if you were to look yeah. at high-tech, low-life, right, and like my expectation of where those kind of sit in a world to make it cyberpunk to me, you know. But there's other people that maybe they lower that tech side and raise up the low-life, and all of a sudden it's got this post-apocalyptic vibe where you're like, well, wait a minute, there's not enough cybernet cybernetics and tech going on. It's not really cyberpunk. That's more post-apocalyptic vibe. And you know. But to me, I feel like a lot of these things, like, like, like you said earlier, you know, take away the spaceship element, and it's cyberpunk You know, when it comes to my fire, caveat, firefighter or this or that. You know? My caveat for what is cyberpunk or not stems entirely from you know how well it influences me to run the cyberpunk game uh it's for me cyberpunk is all about this game um so i don't care as much personally about you know what makes something follow the literal definition of cyberpunk because again nobody's gonna agree on that either no, exactly. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm just as flexible as you. Like, I, I see what you're saying. As long as it can translate to the game, it, it can make sense to me. For me, it can, it can even go as far as, as touching that borderline of sci-fi because I can just imagine in my head sure. it's like a further along. It's, it's, you know, it's past 2077 now. It's passing that. You know what I mean? But it's still cyberpunk. To me, I think the, the main cross-the-line thing would be aliens. Like, the second I start seeing yeah. aliens like oh my god Fifth Element. i love that movie like, so much you know what i mean uh if i start seeing aliens it takes me to to sci-fi like you know uh if like, i watch aliens i'm watching it i don't give a damn about the aliens themselves i'm watching it for the colonial marines and the cool shit that they do the cool tech that they've got and the sweet fucking guns yeah yeah um, and not even that's not to say that i don't appreciate the movie for what it is but that's not why I watch it. It's yeah, the same yeah. thing I, for uh, Starship Troopers. No, exactly. And I'm not even saying Aliens, the movie uh, specifically. I'm saying Aliens as in 
you know, like take out the aliens in Fifth Element, and to me it can still be cyberpunk because of the weapon tech and all the other weird fashion and vehicles. You know, at the beginning, him with the the weird cigarettes and the dude delivering food up to his apartment window <laughs> and him flying around on multi-levels. Like, that's great. But then the second starts getting in space, you're like, okay, it's a little more futuristic sci-fi. Then you start seeing aliens, aliens and stuff. Yeah, and you're like, okay, yeah. now it's, it's full on sci-fi. So remove alien races from any of these sci-fi things, and I can still kind of appreciate the... The, or the tech. anything supernatural or yeah, yeah, yeah exactly super heroic. Uh, split second with Rutger Hauer, fantastic movie, but it would have been so much better had it not been some cheesy like Giger esque demon thing that they were hunting. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I love Akira. I saw Akira in the theater on its first run, um, but you know, to me. After it stops being about the street gangs, I stop. I, I can't pay attention to it anymore. Um, like it just puts me to sleep. But at the start, when it's all like gangs fighting each other and and being badass, and yeah, before they really get into the psychic bullshit, uh, it's a great cyberpunk movie. Then it just becomes. Afterwards, it's still a great movie. It's just not really cyberpunk anymore exactly. as much as it is. No superheroes. It crosses that line, you know, whether it's alien races or like you said uh you know i don't know psychic or mystical you know and i don't know like that like i couldn't even get i can't even uh get into cyber generation because like mutant stuff and psychic stuff yeah it just pulls me out of the cyberpunk too much like i said my line is like alien races and i think i can elaborate on that uh, you know expand on that based on what you you said uh which is you know, also adding in some of those other, uh, I don't know, fantasy elements and things that just, I don't know, pull it away. But I can still appreciate, like I said, some post-apocalyptic stuff, some really futuristic oh, yeah. sci-fi, as long as it doesn't have some of those, like, aliens and things like that. I can still chalk it up to, like, a different point in the timeline of the cyberpunk genre. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, I can I can watch and enjoy just about anything you put in front of me. And I will recognize any cyberpunk elements, even in Something ridiculous like Star Wars. I, I've seen cyberpunk elements when they're running around on Coruscant. Oh, yeah. Uh, chasing the bounty hunter. That's That whole s- sequence of events is pretty cyberpunk. And then, of course, it turns into Star Wars again very quickly. But No, and I can still uh, love, love all that. And, and, you know, I love all different styles of movies and genres of things. I'm just referring to, you know, in the sense of enjoying it as cyberpunk to me. Sure. You know, like once it crosses uh, that line, then I like got to enjoy it like a sci-fi. Is, post-apocalypse movies are actually so close to cyberpunk that I, I can, I enjoyed them in the same, in the same vein, in the same sentence as cyberpunk because of the whole nomad aspect. Yeah, me too. Uh, so yeah, post-apocalypse and cyberpunk are, are virtually identical to me in terms of, you know, enjoyment and inspiration in my media. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, and, you know, once again, we're going off on these tangents, which we're so good at because we love cyberpunk. But <laughs> I did want... I, that's I, very true. Yeah, yeah, but I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to let you go eat some dinner. I'm going to let people just digest the uh, making it cyberpunk info that we, we kind of covered in this episode and some of the other tangents we went on. And then, uh, you know, let's let's plan another episode sometime soon and keep talking about cyberpunk. Uh, you know, I really enjoy I- having you on, man. Absolutely. I, uh, I very much enjoy being here and talking to you. Um, I hope I'm on again soon. Yeah, most definitely. Anybody listening, definitely go check out Data Fortress 2020. 
and uh, check out the Cyberpunk Uncensored site and uh, show us some love. We'd really appreciate that, and we'll talk to you all next time. Take care.